You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. For more information on Dayton Christian Center, you can visit dcctx.church. Now let's join in for this week's message. The title of my message is The Cost. And we've been talking about discipleship. And and, and here's what you got to understand is that when God begins to talk about... um, you know, or when, when somebody stands up to minister and starts talking about the cost, a lot of times we tune out, you know? And so, but I want to encourage you, don't tune me out today. Because what happens is, is sometimes the enemy comes and he wants to put a veil over your heart to not receive that word. So when you leave, it's plucked. Come on. And so... I'm I'm going to encourage you this morning to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And uh, we've been talking about this discipleship, and and Kobe nailed it Wednesday night, man. Uh, Who's in charge? And uh, and, and I'm telling you, Taylor just brung it back, you know, Wednesday night, talking about uh, this country in a crisis of selfishness. It was unbelievable. Uh, and so, uh, and talking about following Christ with selflessness and, uh, and at some point we're all going to be pressure, you know, under pressure, you know, and, um, and we have two options, your way or his way. Those are, those are the pressure points. That's always, there's always going to be that decision to be made your way or his way. And here's the thing about that is one produces life and the other one produces adversity. And it doesn't mean that God's going to slap you on the head. He's just going to redirect you. Because listen, we're all going to make decisions at times that aren't timely in God's timing. Come on. But see, that's when Romans 8, 28 kicks in. All things work together for my good. And so you may find yourself in adversity because you stepped out in faith. But then the next thing you know, the enemy came and the timing was off. And so now God's redirecting your steps. Come on. And so you have to always be counting the cost if you're willing to walk this thing through all of the bad decisions or, or when the enemy just throws something at you. Remember, there's two tests always coming. Faith test or an obedience test. Is this where you got to stand and have faith or is this where you need to be in the, uh, obedient in an area? So there, you're always faced with those, but God is growing us through that process. And so, but In our culture, these messages are not popular at all in in this popular, you know, culture of church to say a prayer, sit down, go to heaven. It's not popular. So don't tune me out when we start here. Mark 8, chapter 31. I mean, verse 31. And he began to teach the son of man. He began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes 
and be killed and after three days rise again. He was stating the matter plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's. And he summoned the multitude with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. Now here's what you got to understand. Jesus was walking. He, they just fed 4,000. And now him and his disciples are, he's got them kind of off to the side and they're walking and they're coming into this town. And he asked them, who do people say that I am? And so some are saying Elijah, some are saying uh, John the Baptist, you know, a prophet. And, and Peter just jumps up and he says, you're the Christ. In that whole thing where Jesus says, man, upon this rock, upon this revelation of knowledge that I'm the Christ, I'll build my church. So the church is built on the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. And then he begins to tell just his disciples what he begins to tell them plainly, it says. Not in some parable where we can't understand. And so all of a sudden, Jesus is telling them he's fixing to die after the revelation that he is the Messiah and plainly makes it clear. And Peter's like, wait a minute. I just come to this revelation and now you're saying you're fixing to die at the hands of the elders. And wait a minute, aren't you going to sit on the throne? And, and he begins to rebuke the Christ. And then I read the most astounding thing. It said Jesus turned and seen his disciples. And I was like, I've never seen that before. Then Jesus rebukes Peter and calls him Satan. And I was like, wait a minute here. Jesus seen the look on his disciples' faces and he immediately had to fix this. He could have rebuked Peter in private. But what Jesus knew is he knew that he was fighting a spiritual battle. And he said, I rebuke you, Satan. Because if he didn't fix it, he was fixing to have to fight the battle in the natural. Yes. Come on. And so we have gotten to a place and then Jesus begins to automatically pull everybody. He said he summoned his disciples and everybody to him and he began to teach them and correct their thinking on what was the cost of following him. Because they were all following 
See, we got a lot of people who just jump on that bandwagon and they want all the benefits. Come on. Jesus said, anyone, if anyone, if any race, any affiliations, your status, it, it doesn't matter. If anyone, he says, you're going to have to deny himself. Now that word deny there, it means disown, reject, and contradict. Contradict. How many times have you contradicted yourself when you got saved? Am I saved? Is Jesus, it, it, what's going on here in my life? Come on, there's, there's things, if you've gone to this church long enough, you've contradicted some past teachings. Because here's what happens, is we automatically start filtering what we hear through past teachings, through past doctrines. Come on. And so at some point, sometimes we're, we're contradicting. We're thinking, wait a minute. What I've been taught is to say a prayer, sit down and wait to go to heaven. And now this guy's telling me I have to disown everything. And most of the time, listen, don't tune me out. Because when preachers start saying you got to disown everything, we say, oh man, I ain't giving up. We start labeling the things we want to give up and what we don't want to give up. And I, listen, we're going to clear all this scripture up because most of the time people relate a calling to being the guy in the pulpit or being the person in a hut over in Africa or doing something in a monastery or something that's dreadful. <laughs> the call. Oh, I'm not called. No, yeah, you are. You just got to know what that calling is. You, you may be called in your cubicle to be a light in that cubicle. Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? So see, don't tune me out just yet. It'll get better. It always will get better at some point. I'll, find, I'll say something you like in a minute, you know. Listen, Jesus began to teach them and sometimes we have we, we, our minds trying to be wrapped around what's going on, what's being said. And on the inside, our spirit man is going, yes, yes, yes. And so Jesus begins to teach them. And right off the bat, he teaches them what the cost will be to follow him. And who will reject him? Old traditional religious people is who rejects him. And let me tell you something. We're finding ourselves in that place again. Yeah. He knew what was about to happen. And he's telling his disciples what's fixing to happen. And that word deny. See, to occupy is in every one of us. Yeah. That, that's our job here. And so Jesus is telling us how to do that. We're going to have to deny. And then he says, take up your cross. Again, self-denial. But it also means to stand and abide and uphold. 
See, there's going to be times you're going to have to make a stand and uphold the truth. Even when it bucks traditional, come on, man's traditions and some man's doctrines. You know, Paul called it doctrines of demons. Are y'all still here? And it also means to expose one's self. And here's the biggest thing that Christians have a hard time getting over is themselves. When we come to Christ, if we're not willing to be exposed, come on, he, he was exposed on the cross. That's why he said, you're going to have to take up your cross and follow him. In other words, you're going to have to be willing to love someone that doesn't love you back. You're going to have to be willing to expose your heart to being broke and rejected. Come on. When you're upholding the truth of the gospel, you're going to have to forgive when you don't want to forgive. Doesn't mean you're going to have to forget. Come on. And it doesn't mean you're not going to. You, you, listen, here's what I tell people all the time. I, grace is given, but trust is going to be earned now. See, your trust account is broke right now. And so you're going to have to build that truck. Grace is given. I'm giving you grace. I'm not knocking. Come on. I'm not blacking both of your eyes right now. That's grace. Huh? But listen, I'm not going to trust everything you say. You say you ain't going to run around on me again? Okay. Well, I'm going to trust in increments. You're going to have to bear fruit in this trust issue. Come on, is it y'all in here? We're, we're going to have church. See, we're, we're exposing ourselves to heartache. To love somebody that's not going to love us back. Come on. Betrayal. You're going to have to expose yourself to being betrayed. Jesus never kicked Judas out of his inner circle. Even though he was toxic to his ministry. Come on. He exposed himself. But see, what we do is we take it all personal because of this selfishness crisis that we got. And listen, quite frankly, we've learned how to survive by putting people off. No, it's not. See, because it's the people that love you that'll hurt you the most. See, he said, follow me. He said, in other words, you're going to be in the same way with me. If you're going to be my disciple, you're going to deny yourself. You're going to contradict everything you learned. See, that's why Nicodemus could not follow Christ. Nicodemus was looking for the answer 
Nicodemus had been studying the scriptures for the Christ and now he's seen him and he comes to him and he says, Jesus, he said, he said, Rabbi, he said, tell me, we know you're from God. Nobody can do what you're doing unless he comes from God. Tell me how you do this. Jesus said, you must be born again. In other words, you're going to have to deny and contradict everything you've learned if you're going to follow me. Nicodemus couldn't. Come on. Who wouldn't want this guy? And Jesus made it plainly. Follow. You're going to have to be in the same way. Are you willing to take off your phylacteries, your robes of, that made you honorable among the people, your robe that you brush your garment aside to walk around the people? Come on. Are you willing to deny that? Are you willing to take up your cross and take that off and bump up against the regulars? <laughs> Come on. See, that's the cost of discipleship. People over policy. Not my will, but thy will. Be it done to me according to your word. Here I am, Lord, send me. Let it be known to you that you won't bow down. Come on. These are all places that we're going to have to get to. All these statements were made when people were in a bind and they had to deny themselves, bear down, and were they going to follow what the Word of God said? Not my will, thy will. Jesus, his own, Jesus himself in Gethsemane had to finally break it down to not my will but your will. See, there's a cost. See, the first thing that we have to deny is ourselves. And sometimes the first thing that we have to deny ourselves is the, that we just can't say a prayer and just go to heaven. It's just cheap. It's cheap faith. And we've seen where that got us in 2020. And so what happens is is Jesus is clearing all this up because he, he wants it plain what it's going to take to follow him. And here's what's really funny is when, oh man, it's what he, it's just who he is. He can't help but always try to line out their thinking and to point them in the right direction saying, look, don't get caught up in what in the storms of all this Luke 19 And he called 10 of his slaves gave them 10 minus and said to them do business with this until I come back We missed that part do business with this till I come back Y'all, everybody in here's heard or read the story of the minus about the one had five and three and then one, the one guy went and hid it and didn't do nothing with it. And that's what he's talking about here. 
do business with this until I come back. And it says the citizens sent a delegation after the, the, the guy and said, we do not want this man to reign over us. We don't want this man to reign over us. We just want what he gave us to do business with. Come, anybody in here? Don't tune me out. See, we want all the what. We want the what. We just sometimes ain't figured out the why. See, they didn't know what the why was. They just knew they had the what and they wanted the what, but they didn't want the why ruling over them. But you, let me tell you something. You'll never fulfill your what until you know your why. Because what he's saying is we didn't want to put everything we had into his hands. And that's what we do. We take our what and we put it into his hands. And then he multiplies it. Come on, are y'all with me? See, when we're talking about the cost, we're not talking just about salvation. We're talking about occupying with an anointing to advance the kingdom of God. You're not going to advance the kingdom of God without the anointing of God and him as ruler, come on, over your what? Yes, sir. Once, I mean, kind of, uh, I see Kobe Trenton message the other day kind of ties into what you're saying. Once you figure out what you want and why you want it, the how to get it becomes a lot easier. It, it does. And you have, to, you have to understand that the, the why is, is Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's what... It's why we're trying to put everything underneath his authority, his rule, because God is about multiplication. He's about multiplying. And so he's, he is a great investor. He, he's going to invest. He said, take that one and give it to the guy that made 10. Now, in our part of the country, we say, well, wait a minute. That's not fair. Give it to, we want everybody on a level playing field. Everything needs to be fair. Let me tell you something. That ain't how it works. Welfare is not from God. You know what's from God? Working. That's what, listen, if the church would help those who are in need, that's, that's what we do. But we don't sit there and enable people to just be taken care of all the time. Let me tell you something. A lot of these earthquakes, fires, hurricanes, that's God rescuing people out of that mess. Because I'm telling you, there's a lot of people left New Orleans down there that needed to be rescued out of poverty. Moving right along with the message. (laughs) 
Because here's the deal. Your attendance record is not what God's going to pull up at the judgment. Just because you attended church is not going to be what he's looking at. He's going to be looking if he knows you. Because here's what he said. Depart from me. I never knew you. And here's the thing about that. The people that were coming up to him, here's what they said. Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we lay hands on the sick? Didn't we? And they, and they start talking about their gifts. Do you realize there wasn't one ounce of fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, faithfulness. And he said, depart from me. I don't even know you. In other words, if you'd have been bearing fruit, loving those who don't love and being my hands and my feet, come on. And working with me in your what, knowing what your why is to love the unlovable. Come on, don't tune me out. Using your what to advance God's grace and mercy into people's lives. Come on, there's broken lives all around you. Broken lives all around you. You have the answer. And when we don't become the answer for them, and we just say, oh man, you just got to get saved. People don't know what that means anymore. Because you're taught choice and preference. I can be a, a dog Huh? I, I don't feel like being a man today. I just feel like being a girl. See, see we, we, it's our choice and preference. So we don't know. You're telling people to get saved and they don't even know from what. But yet your life isn't lining up with what you're trying to say. And so they're confused even more. Well, what are you telling? If they see the light on the inside of you, that you know Christ and that your life is built on a foundation, come on, they're, they're automatically going, wait a minute. I'm, what's his, his life? He's got joy, peace in his life. God's blessing him. He's not losing his mind in the midst of all this turmoil. Why? People are going to ask their own self why, and then you can tell them why. In your what? Come on now. Jesus said, I, didn't even, I don't even know you. Is your name going to be written in the book of life? Your name's written there when he knows you because he writes it down. Man, that's a servant. He's been serving our kingdom. I know him. I'm in a relationship with them. Oh man, remember the guy at the 7-Eleven sitting in the taco line? Woo, yeah. Come on, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? When you went to buy that house and flip it and that person was ministered to, come on. That's where church is out there, not in. Come on, that's right. That's right. At, the, at the convenience store, praying over the lady at the ATM machine. Come on, that's where it happens. 
Yeah, I know you. Yeah, I know you. Yeah, you were in a gang. I remember, I remember pulling you out of there. And then look at all the kids you've been blessing. Do you know Lorraine prays over your kids? Has none for herself but prays over yours? Yeah, I know her. I know her. She lifted this little one up to me in prayer. Come on, y'all see how this works. Yeah, I know her. Yeah, her name's right here. Whew, and look at all these people in line. Come on, y'all with me? Matthew 8. Verse 13. I'm sorry, verse 18. I was wondering why it didn't look familiar. <clears throat> Make sure I'm in the right place. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side. And a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And to another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. And you may be, wow, that's kind of insensitive. You know, I mean, who, who would say that besides Jesus, you know? Jesus is about to get in a boat and there's people all around and he tells his disciples, Come on, let's get in the boat and let's go to the other side. And this scribe runs up to him and says, Master, I'll follow you anywhere you go. Now we read that and we don't put much stock into that, but let me just explain to you something. A scribe was not just anybody. A, uh, a young man would enter to be a scribe when he was 14 years old. So he would devote his life to learning the law of Moses. And it wasn't until he was 40 years old is when he was ordained to be a scribe. Can you imagine spending the time from 14 years old till the time you were 40 and not even be ordained until you were 40. And then when they come out of that, that schooling and that teaching, man, they were amongst, amongst the uh, uh, elites, the Jewish elites. And these scribes had gotten to the point where they had been interpreting the law of Moses to where the, the law actually, the law of Moses actually became second to their interpretation. 
So in other words, they got to the point to where whatever they said to tell you to think, that's what you thought. Come on. Don't tune me out. We're living in a society right now that we've got folks interpreting law to tell us what to think. And just like today, it was just as perverted back then. And these scribes were known as lawyers in the New Testament. Now, who would not want a scribe, somebody to journal, somebody to write down everything that's going on in your ministry? Who wouldn't want those kind of credentials in their ministry? Jesus. Because Jesus looked right straight past all his credentials and said, the foxes have dens. The birds of the air have nests. But mister, you're going to have to give up a lot to follow me. To be in the same way as I am. Jesus pulled no punches. And he begins to deal with this scribe. And the scribes have got, even got to the point to where they thought that God entrusted all this to them because you common sort can't figure out what the law says. And that you, here's the other kicker that got me, is that they didn't trust you to do it. They didn't think you were capable enough to do it. Let me tell you, I remember a guy here in, in Dayton. I remember when he said it, and he said it, and I was like, that's ignorant. And it was ignorant, but it explained why he does not go to church. He said, the Bible, they, he, and he was, I mean, was serious. The Bible is not to be understood except by a certain few. And I thought, well, now I know why you don't go to church. Who would want to go with that kind of thinking? And your life is a mess. I thought, wow. No, it is. Because let me tell you something. We got the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And the Holy Spirit on the inside of us is what helps us self-govern ourselves, not a government telling us what to think. Yes. Listen, those governors making laws trying to tell you what to think can't govern them selves. Come on. But we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us Listen, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Don't tune me out. That's why when you go to work or you got family members that don't understand your new, uh, uh, your new, you're following Christ now. See, that Holy Spirit on the inside of you is agitating what's on the inside of them. And they're like going, 
Come on, are you, do y'all hear what I'm saying? See, you become the outcast. You become the rejected. And that's what Christ was saying. If you're going to follow me, deny yourself, come on, take up your cross and follow me. And this scribe wasn't willing to do that. And so a lot of people are not going to understand this new passion for the gospel that you have, but that's the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. And just because that person don't get it yet, they will. You remain faithful and follow and they'll see. Come on. And you don't have to sit there and get in debates about the Bible and you don't have to come on. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You ain't got to do all that. You just keep living your life and bearing fruit. Listen. Oh. See, when we talk discipleship, it's like high school football and NFL. It's like Little League Baseball and it's like MLB. Come on. It's that drastic of a... And, and that's a hard mindset for people. Listen, because here's the thing about professional. Cole, you practice. You spend money. You, you Come on, pain. The only reason Cole's here this morning is because he had a growing pool and he's not riding bulls yet. But he's not going to allow that hurt, come on, to keep him from going See, it may cost you, it's going to cost you time with your family. It's going to cost you, come on, it's going to cost you money to play the game, to feed your horses every day, clean their stalls, muck them out. Come on, it, it, it's a whole nother level to be professional. It's a whole nother level to be a disciple. It's deny yourself. Come on. Sleep, bear down when you don't want to bear down. Come on. And it's working through all the emotions and feelings and uh, come on, all the, God, I just want to quit. It's the difference between a member and a disciple. Because let me tell you something. A disciple takes ownership, but a member don't. He just wants to come up and. A member don't want to take ownership. See, we're all owners in this ministry. That's why we're teaching the kids. That's why we're praise and worship, the sacrifice to praise and worship. That's why we're ushering. That's why we're parking. That's why we're on cameras. That's why we're filling the little foggy thing back there with the liquid that goes in it and somebody's over the lights and somebody. They, listen, we're all taking ownership here. And it takes sacrifice to do that. It takes sacrifice to be on a professional level. It takes sacrifice to be a disciple. I don't know why the church has not preached this more often, but let me tell you something. You're on a whole nother playing field when you accept Christ into your life to follow. Whole nother playing field. But yet we just keep carrying Oki in our bringing in the sheaves. 
Come on. Nobody wants to write new songs about He's enough. Everybody wants to sing the old hymns. I, the, yes, the old hymns were anointing. But they were anointed back in 1700. And he said, sing a new song. Do you know how much you are ridiculed for coming to this church? Y'all are all a bunch of cults. Y'all don't sing hymns. And it's too dang loud. And why do you turn the lights off? <laughs> I could go on. See, the amount of sacrifice, pain, hours, study and practice and time away from friends, families, you know, not to mention how many people are going to be mad at you and misunderstand you. You're, you're going to have all of that. Your passion on top of that, because listen, if you're on a professional level, you're passionate. You're passionate about it. That's all you want to talk about. It's all you want to do. It's, it's just in you. You can't help it. Because it's your what that God put in you to do your why. God wants people passionate about what they're doing so that they can know what their why is to advance it. Because without passion, you're not going to go through broken bones and you're not going to go through pulled muscles. You're not going to go through the sacrifice of time and dead horses, crippled horses and heartbreak. of all. Come on, you ain't going to go through all that if you're not passionate about it. So God put that passion in you for it. Come on. And when you deny yourself, take up your cross and you follow him, then you start fulfilling that what and that passion that's on the inside of you. But you got to count the cost. You got to count the cost. Y'all still with me? Matthew 8, 23. And when he got into the boat... His disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great storm in the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he himself was asleep. And they came to him and woke him, and saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. He said to them, Why are you timid, you men of little faith? Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm, Verse 27, and the men marveled like, like they didn't have enough to marvel at already. I mean, they seen 4,000 people fed with a handful of fish and some loaves. And I mean, they're looking in them baskets and he'd rip a head off and a tail would grow on it and rip a tail off and the head would grow on it and break the end of the butt off the bread and the bread grow. I mean, it just, and they're watching all this and yet they're marveled. And still worried, come on, anxiety rose up in the rowing. You men of little faith. Yeah. How many times have you heard that in your life? And it said the men marveled and they said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Here's the deal. If you're going to see that kind of man, 
you're going to have to ride a few storms out with him. Come on. In all the storms that I've been in, and when you remain faithful, you keep rowing. Come on. And you cry out to him, then you see what man this is that can calm it. Because see, it's in the midst of that storm. When you see him, the very next verses, it says that he goes in, they get out of the boat and there was two demon possessed men that you couldn't even pass by there and Jesus and his disciples passed by. See, it's in those storms when you see him, you'll get to your why. And then that's when breakthrough came for those two guys. Come on. And it's so amazing because when you keep reading that, it, it, it's just, it, it's incredible. Looking, listen, all of that, all of the storms, it leads to what kind of man he is. To see Jesus calm the storm, you're going to have to ride that out with him. To walk on water at some point, you're going to have to get out of the boat. Right? To not be burned. It can't matter if you do. Come on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Come on, we're going to, you boys don't bow down. We're going to throw you in the fire. Let it be known to you, mister. It doesn't matter if we do get burned. See, that's, that's discipleship. That's the cost. I'm willing. But listen, they didn't know that beforehand. The Lord didn't come tell them, look, guys, you go on, take it. I'm going to be in there with you. He didn't. No. They had to make the decision that it didn't matter even if you do throw me in there. Come on. See, to see mountains move, you're going to have to stand up and speak to them. Mountain ain't going to move if you don't speak to it. That's right. The whole time, those angels are sitting there going, man, I'll move that problem for you. Yeah. And we don't even ask. That's right. That's right. Come on. I, I'm right here in the midst of the storm. Come on. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? See, to see giants fall at some point, you're going to have to pick up a rock and run to him. See, at some point, you go and pick up a couple of more too. In case there's others you might need to... With the <laughs> See, there is a cost of following Jesus. It's called discipleship. To be in the same as. See, this is uncertainty. That's what he's telling them. Look, there's going to be plenty of uncertainty. But it's, it's, it's what makes disciples and inspires people to believe in Jesus for them to see what kind of man he is. Yes. Come on, y'all with me. Luke 14, I'm going to close. Y'all still here? Yep. Don't tune me out. I promise you it's going to get, get it's, it's coming. 
Verse 25 says, Now a great multitude were gathering along with him. He's, he's walking. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me, does not hate his own father. Come on now, don't tune me out. I got to keep saying that because it sounds so ridiculous. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit, sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish all who observe it begin to ridicule him. Now, when I first met this couple, Dan and Bobby Jensen, we were starting. We had, y'all have heard me talk about when we left the rodeo company and believe in God for a ranch and all the hell that broke loose. This is the one scripture. Dan and Bobby called us back to the room and we were, I'll never forget sitting in that room and Dan pulled his chair up. We're about knee to knee and he says, here's the deal. We're going to count the cost. And he quoted this scripture to me. The cost of discipleship because we don't want to start something because people will look at it and they'll say and they'll ridicule. I never forgot that. And I've lived my life where when people look that they see Christ, that we counted the cost no matter what happens, that we counted the cost through all the hardship. Listen, and we read that and we go, who can, who can do that? But what we don't understand is we don't study this out. We don't follow long enough to realize what he's saying. He's saying you put everything under the authority of the kingdom of God. You put everything second to Christ. Everything must become second to Christ in your life. And then you can start to build. Who has sat down and not counted this cost? And that's been the worst thing in the body of Christ in America, in the American culture of church. We've just say a prayer and now you're going to heaven. You're born again. And we've made members and not disciples because nobody's counted the cost. Come on, are y'all with me? We count the cost. 
Yes, there's uncertainty in this life. And there always will be. And then he says, or what king when he sits out to meet another king in battle will not first sit down and take counsel whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the coming against him 20,000. Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation to ask terms of peace. So therefore, no one of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. He's not saying, go sell everything you got and be a bum. That's not what he's saying. Here's what we've always teach our children, our kids. We hold everything loosely. Because when God says, I need that back, you need to be willing to give it back. Because when you're what? starts becoming more important than your why, then it has you and you don't have it. Come on. And so it becomes the driving force behind you've got to be productive. You've got to be busy. You've got to be... No, no. You just got to deny yourself. You got to take up your cross and you got to follow Christ. It's that simple. See, the things that you're doing, the passions on the inside of you, he wouldn't ever want you to lay all that down and he just wants you to get it in the right order. Come on, y'all with me? And so when preachers preach this in the, in the past, it's all been under the, the, the lenses of just dying and going to heaven. Most of them don't ever even touch it. See, everything has to be in right perspective, positioning everything earthly under the authority of Jesus so that we can accomplish what has been intended for our purpose. Come on. Right perspective, positioning everything under the authority of Jesus so that we can accomplish what has been intended for our purpose. Are y'all with me? See, when we count the cost, the why, when we count the cost for the why, we can fulfill our purpose. See, people are watching you live out your what. And you just need to know your why. Come on, are y'all with me? Y'all stand. Yeah, you do. So I got a little revelation this morning um, about something. And, um, you know, the greatest thing that I, that set me free is I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what people think about me. You know, 
how they judge me, what they think I'm some crazy lunatic, I don't really care. I mean, I'm just who I am. You know, and the thing that um, I got revelation about this morning is a few months ago, I got tattoos on my fingers. And people look at it and they say, what the heck is that? I'm 54 years old, got some tattoos on my knuckles. Look at that. Look at that, Dan. Would you hire me? <laughs> and they, they say, what is that? And it says, live free, die hard. <laughs> what does that mean? And when I got the tattoos, man, I was, I had a different reason behind it. But this morning I have a new reason. Because to live free, you're going to have to die hard. Wow. Yep. To take up your cross, you have to consider what that cost is going to be. It's good. And it's going to be, you're going to have to die hard because we are dying, regardless of what you think. We're dying to live again in eternity. And so when people see us, and it, it just got, I mean, it got so good this while ago because it was like, that's our identity. And what's going on right now is there, there's a contention for our identity, hmm. for our kids' identity. And so, um, you know, to, to live free will cost you everything. To take up your cross is a decision that must be considered. And I looked up that word, just consider. To think about carefully such as to think especially with regard of taking action, some action. Hmm. So hmm. take up your cross is going to cost you some action. You know, to consider that, you know, the um, Wednesday night, we had this little girl in our class, and she just ripped my heart out because she was, she said, I said, have you ever felt disappointed? And she said, yeah, I'm disappointed because I can't ever get anything right, and I just don't feel like I'm enough. And I said, baby, you are enough. <laughs> and we held her back, and we prayed for her, and I told her, I said, look, I'm not promising you everything is going to be peachy king and it's not going to be fixed tomorrow or next month or this year. I said, but you just got to keep going. I said, you got to just keep going. I'm going to pray with you and we're going to believe for you that things are going to get better. And you know what? That she's going to be ridiculed. She's going to have a hard time. But you know what? God's going to watch over her. This is this is key right here in Daniel 1.8 it says Daniel determined in his heart that he would yeah. dot 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 that's good when we take up our cross we have to determine in our heart Daniel had focused vision and a determined heart that's good and when we take up that cross we have to get focused vision we can't care about oh look that guy got some tattoos on his fingers what does that mean to you it means I'm taking up my cross and I counted the cost and I'm going to endure the ridicule the struggle because here's the thing that set me free and this is what pushes me forward this gives me my authority this is my authority I don't you know a paper credential is nothing but Matthew 19, 26, it says, Jesus said to them, Jesus told me right here and that with men, this is impossible. Yeah. 
but with God, all things are possible. Mm -hmm. Guess what? I'm touching the possible. It may not be today. You know what? Last night I went to a concert and I said, be healed in Jesus' name. I want a new ankle. And you know what the vision I got? I got a brand new ankle with no scar. And I'm like, God, I want that because I want to go to therapy. And I'm going to say, look, God healed me. There's no scar. But guess what? I had to put the boot on this morning. But I'm still believing I can touch that possible. It may not be today, but it may be tomorrow. But the struggle today, I'm going to tomorrow. And I have to keep going. Whatever it is, that we're, we have the ability to touch the possible, to occupy the possible, to have authority in the possible. Whatever our world is going through, you know, we have to have focused vision determined heart to be able to touch the possible. Come on, that's good. Man, oh man. Yeah, Misty wanted to kill him for those tattoos too. <laughs> man, do you know your why? You know your why? Adam, you know your why? It's good. Why? He's the why, y'all. He is the why. And it's not for our egos, it's not for our, it's for Him. To touch somebody that's hurting. that needs loved, that needs to see him. What kind of man is this? See, our wise to show them that. Father, we come to you. We thank you today for what you're doing. Lord, we just pray that we're able to build on this, that we're able to chew on this and sort this out to be able to put things in proper perspective under the authority of Jesus, to put him first so that our what can be fulfilled because we know our why. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand. Amen. Love y'all. See you Wednesday night. We are so glad that you chose to tune in with us this week. We hope that today's message left you challenged, encouraged, and inspired. If you enjoyed today's message and would like to hear more, you can find us wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Thanks again for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast.